Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, it's an honor to be here with you. I tell you, your pastors have become dear friends of Ron and I. And uh, we appreciate them, and we appreciate what they're doing. You know, it's very rare to find it's very rare to find a church to where the Holy Spirit is allowed to come and do whatever He wants to do, however long He wants to do it. Amen. It's very rare to find a place to where the Spirit of God is in control. A lot of people, a lot of people say that, but it's just words. And then when He does move, then people get mad and get an attitude and. Anyway, we don't want to deal with that this morning, but thank God for a place to where the Spirit of God is and, and where people can come and leave with a touch from heaven. You know, that's, I don't think people understand how precious that is because most people don't get that. I mean, unfortunately, today in America, people have gone to church thinking they're going to hear from heaven, but unfortunately, they, they hear the gospel called religion, which does nothing. It sounds good. But it does nothing but bind people up. And wherever there's religion, you'll find that you'll find people that are sick. You'll find people that are poor. And and I appreciate the fact that Pastor Jack took the time to teach on the subject of giving. That took the time to teach on the subject of of tithing. Because unfortunately, there's 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 people today. I mean, listen, and don't go on the internet to try to find out if what he said is real or not, or if it's the, if it's a fact or not. People, that's what people do. Actually, Google has replaced the Bible for many Christians. And, um, but the Word of God is, it's, I mean, you know, it is our God. The Word of God is what, the foundation for everything that we believe. And it's amazing to me the, 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 um, uh, the, the, the argument or, or the, the disbelief when it comes to the subject of tithing because you can't get away from it. And, and I promise you, that's one of the reasons why people are poor, because they don't tithe. That's one of the reasons why people financially are struggling, because they don't tithe. And, you know, it's amazing, as, and I deal with this on a, on a regular basis. And, and I love how Pastor Jack brought out in, you know, it's amazing. I'm, I'm sitting here this morning, and he said, go to Acts chapter 20, I'm thinking. Okay, it's going to, it's, I appreciate Holy Ghost pastors, because... That's my foundation scripture this morning. It's Acts chapter 20. We haven't even talked. <laughs> but he goes to Acts chapter 20. I'm like, Lord, that ain't fair. <laughs> it is not fair <laughs> that he's going to my chapter. <laughs> uh, then I was really going to be upset if he went to my verse, but he didn't. So thank the Lord for that. But <laughs> Hallelujah. But, you know, when it comes to the subject of tithing, you know, it's such, it's such a... It's such an important thing with God that um, the enemy knows. And here's the thing that we have to understand is that understand this as the church. Satan knows that he can't get you back, meaning that he, he, he cannot rob you of your salvation. It's impossible. Now, people can turn their back on God, which unfortunately people do. And so, but understand something, when it comes to the church, and what's what I want to talk to you about this morning, the glorious church, which is you and I, is Satan knows that he can't get us back. 
So what is the thing that he, that he does? You know, the Bible says don't be ignorant of his devices, is to keep the church ignorant. Because if he can keep you ignorant, then he can keep you from walking, walking in the benefits of the covenant. He can, walk, he can keep you from walking in the benefits of what it's called being the family of God. Because we are a family. Amen. We are the family of God. And so how is it that, that, that the enemy keeps the covenant promises from being manifested in our life? Well, understand something. We are the ones that do it, but it's called ignorance. And I'm, I'm amazed at so many people in the body of Christ that are ignorant. I'm amazed of how prevalent in the church, the subject of religion, how religion has, has prevailed so much in the church. But I will tell you, things are changing. As I travel the nations of the world, I just got back from Ukraine, had phenomenal meetings in Ukraine, actually going back in a few months. But uh, it's, it's amazing what's happening around the world. People are waking up. But, you know, the Bible says don't be ignorant of his devices. And one of the things, one of his devices is the subject of ignorance. Because if he can keep you ignorant, it's a fact that he can keep you poor. Because many people in the body of Christ, they're of the opinion that, well, if God wants me to have it, it's just going to happen. And it's amazing to me how many people think that way. Well, if it's God's will, then it's just going to happen. But that's not how the kingdom of God operates. That's not how the law of the kingdom operates. Well, if it's God's will, it's just going to happen. Because after all, Brother Richard, whatever will be, will be. And many people live their life that way. Many people base their life that way. And they go about living their life the way they want to live their life. And when it comes to God, well, if God wants me to have it, it's just going to happen. Even though I can live any way I want to live and do whatever I want to do, if God wants me to have it, it's just going to happen. But that's not how the kingdom of God operates. And, and we can't be ignorant of the kingdom of God. And, and one of the things, and I so appreciate it, and I'll say it again, I so appreciate Pastor taking the time to teach on the subject of tithing. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, I just saw a study here just recently that it, when it comes to Christians in the church, the average Christian gives $800 a year to the church. But they'll spend $1,100 a year on coffee. No, 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 that's the latest statistic. They give $800 to the church, but they spend $1,100 $1, a year on coffee. And yet people, people wonder why things are going on in their life the way it's going on. Listen, let me just say something to you. It's not unscriptural to be in a battle, but it is unscriptural to lose. I'll say it again. It's not unscriptural to be in a, in a battle, but it is unscriptural to lose. Amen. And I appreciate it, and I'm going to say it over and over and over, I appreciate it, because one of the reasons how I got set free, one of the reasons why my wife and I are blessed the way we are, is because I went to a church, and the Lord began to deal with me about the subject of tithing, and about the subject of giving, because I had such a poverty mentality. And that had to be broken in my life. And it got broken only through an individual who was bold enough to begin to proclaim the gospel. And I appreciate the fact that your pastor is bold enough to begin to preach on the subject of tithing. Because so many people in the church today, they come to church thinking they're going to hear from heaven, but they hear nothing but religion. They hear that people are sick and people are dying, and they hear nothing but, well, you know, if it's the Lord's will, Lord, heal sister so-and-so, or hear brother so-and-so. Lord, you know, they're going through such a struggle financially. Lord, your will be done. And that's what they get. But people don't understand that it's what you do that determines how you live. 
I'll say it again. It's, it's what you do. It's not you just living your life the way you want to live the life and then poof, magically it's just going to happen. Because whatever will be, will be. That's how people think, but that's not how the kingdom of God operates. The kingdom of God operates on you doing something. That's how the kingdom of God operates. And let me just say this to you. If it, you, you could go through, the, especially the Old Testament, and see the importance of tithing. But also, God doesn't change. But yet, tithing is not for today, many people say. But yet, please show me. And I had, I had, a, guy, I had a guy just here not long ago, I, I, I challenged him. I said, so you don't believe in tithing. And, uh, and the people that preach that nonsense anyway are always people that are disgruntled and don't even go to church. But they, put, they, place, they place blogs or write something on the internet. And they're nothing, but, they're nothing but hypocrites. And I said to a guy one time, so you don't, believe in, you, don't believe in, you don't believe in blessing, right? Well, let me ask you a question. I think you're a hypocrite. Well, what are you, what are you saying that for? You, what do you call me a hypocrite? Well, I think you're a hypocrite. Because if you don't believe in blessing, let me ask you a question. Have you asked God to make you poor? Have you asked God to take away everything you have? To where you're living in the street, pushing, pushing your belongings in a grocery cart that you steal. No, I'm serious. Show me. Please show me in the Word of God because tithing is such an... I don't mean to get on this, but tithing is such an important part and when it comes to the body of Christ. It's such an important part of our life and, 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 and a principle that we operate by in the family of God. Please show me where God stopped it. And besides that, please show me in Scripture where God rebukes wealth. You can't find it. It's not in here. You can't find one Scripture where God rebukes wealth. Now, He will rebuke us for wealth being our God. But you can't find it. And the enemy has so lied to the body of Christ when it comes to the subject of blessing, and which has put me on a project, which I've gone through the Scriptures... Listen, do you know there's over 500 scriptures on the subject of, of prayer? And we're going to get into it in a moment. Do you know there's over 500 scriptures on the subject of prayer? And how many know when God says something over and over and over, there's a reason. There's something He wants us to get. Amen? That might be five. Listen, I promise you, as a parent, if you said something to your kid, <laughs> to your children over 500 times, <laughs> there, there, there is definitely a reason why you keep saying over and over and over and over and over, clean your room. Well, why is it? Why do you tell your children to clean your room? Because there's something that you want them to do. There's something that you want them to know that you want. Right? When God says something over and over and over, there's something that He wants us to know that He wants. 500 times. That's a lot of times God tells us to pray. Do you know there's over 500 scriptures on healing? That's a lot of scriptures. But do you know there's over 2,000 scriptures on the subject of, of blessing? 2,000. And yet people, people have allowed the enemy to come in. And you'll, you'll and I was listening yesterday. And I, I, I like, you know, you pick your battles. And actually, you ended up liking the guy. So I was like, yeah, I was going to leave it alone. But yesterday, I took my wife. And I took her. I said, let's go have a spa day. So I took her to Sarasota to the Ritz and we went and had a spa day. 
And we just sit there for hours. And we're going to the sauna, and then we're going to the steam room, and then we'll meet out in the, on the balcony, and we eat. You want <laughs> no, leave me alone. Jeez. <laughs> My wife keeps grabbing at me. Jeez, honey, we'll go, we're going to be home later. Just leave me alone. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're, we're sitting there and <laughs> oh man I don't know if I've ever started out a meeting like this but <clears throat> so we're, we're sitting there and so you know I, so, so then we go and you know then they have it because it's separate men have their area and men have theirs and so then I'm sitting out there, I come out, I'm mean, like there for like four or five hours. I mean, I think I went to the sauna like, I don't know, 15 times. I just, anyway. So I'm sitting out and there's a guy and we get to talking. And, 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 and he brings up <laughs> Creflo Cash. Has he ever heard of Creflo Cash? I'm like, Creflo Cash? Man, I like that name though. <laughs> I mean, what a, I love that name. I mean, I said, you mean Creflo Dollar? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah, oh, yeah, I know I know him well. Yeah, I know him. <laughs> I mean, I love that name. How about a name like, you know, I'm going to change my name. You know, I'm going to have people stop calling me Richard. Stop calling me Rich. Yeah. I like that name. Yeah. Rich, you know, like Creflo Dollar. Like I have a friend, I have a friend, in, a friend of mine in Guatemala. His name's Cash Luna. I mean, what a name, Cash Luna. <laughs> anyway, and uh, so... <clears throat> And I like that guy because we get to talking, but he, he, he got on the subject of, you know, preachers with money. And it's amazing to me. I'm sitting here listening to him, and, and everything he's saying to me, man, I've got these scripture after scripture after scripture going through my mind that, that denounces what he's saying. But my point is this. It's amazing how, how the enemy has gotten into the church and allowed the church to come to the place to where they believe that having lots of money, having lots of things, having great blessings is wrong. Because the reality is not one of you here believe that. Now you, you might think that towards certain preachers, but you don't believe that for yourself in your own life. Hello? And people really become hypocritical. They'll say that, but yet then they'll go and they'll play, they play the lottery when it's 400 million. Why? Well, why do you want all that money? Why do you want those mega millions if it's wrong? Now, I'm not advocating playing the lottery. I'm just making a point here <laughs> about people having money. And, and I hate the fact, and I hate it, and I'm on a mission that, that, that the enemy has gotten in and uh, has gotten into the church to where people now believe that having lots of money is wrong. And I asked the Lord about it. And here's what the Lord said to me. This is not in any of my notes, but, we'll, but who cares? We're going to follow the Holy Ghost. And I asked the Lord about it. And here's what the Lord said to me. He said, who's the God of the world, of this world? Well, obviously, the Bible says Satan's the God of this world. Who controls the system in the world? Satan does, correct? Well, what's the two main areas in the world, the two main systems that he controls? Money. Music's another one. But money and government. Money and government. 
And what is the two areas that the church is told to stay out of? The money realm and government. And so you have to make a decision. And so I, I, I've gone through the scriptures, and, and I've got a phenomenal project that we're doing. I don't know when it's going to be done, but hopefully soon. But I, 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 this year the Lord said to me, tell my people to believe me big. To believe me big. To believe me big. No, believe me big. And I started it for myself. This month has already been a phenomenal month for my wife and I. Next month is going to be even more phenomenal. March is going to be even more phenomenal than February. Come on. And it all comes down to what you believe. And I want you to go with me in the Bible, if you would. Go with me to, to two passages. Well, go with me to Acts 20 first. Acts, the 20th chapter. And then we're going to go to Matthew 16. Well, let's go to Matthew 16 first. Then we'll go to Acts 20. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Starting with verse... 13. You know, some, uh, two years ago, my wife and I were in Israel, <laughs> and uh, we was actually here, right here in Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, and um, <clears throat> it's amazing what, what, our, what our God said about this passage of Scripture. But here in verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they, and they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some say that you're Elias or Elijah, and others, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, but I want you to notice what Jesus does here. Jesus makes it personal. And he said unto them, but whom say you that I am? But it's, it's interesting, only Peter could answer, and there's a reason. And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Notice what Jesus said here. I will build what? He said, I will build my church. And notice what he says concerning the church, you and I. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the gates of hell should not prevail. Remember, I said to you, it's not unscriptural to be in a battle. It's just unscriptural to lose. And the gates of hell should not prevail. Doesn't mean we're not going to be in a battle. But guess what? The gates of hell does not prevail. The gates of hell does not overcome us. We are the victors. We win. And I will give unto thee, listen to what he says here, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Notice what the Lord Jesus says. The Lord Jesus says, now, when my wife was out, I was in, and we was, was here in Caesarea Philippi a couple of years ago, the gods, our gods, you got to watch the gods when you go to Israel. How many of you ever been to Israel? You know, a couple of you, a few of you been. You know, my wife and I, we've been, and listen, I'll be honest with you, you know, people say, oh, when you go, it's going to change your life. Well, I don't believe any of that stuff. Now, what will change your life is you having a face-to-face meeting with God. What will change your life is for you having an encounter with God, not because you go to some foreign land or go to some place. Come on, amen? 
And so anyway, we're here in Caesarea Philippi, and some of the gods are Muslims. Some of the gods are, you know, they're not even, most of them not even Christians. But anyway, we're here, and, and the God said to a group, to the group, there was a hundred of us, there were a hundred preachers. <laughs> Wrong thing to say to a hundred Holy Ghost preachers, but the God said, there was two of them, the God said, now, now the reason why Jesus said to, to his disciples, whom do men say I am, because Jesus was going through a time of confusion. And Jesus just needed reassurance of who he was. That's what the God said. That's the wrong thing to say to a hundred Holy Ghost preachers. And I see everybody, we're all about ready to say something. And then one guy, he beat us all to it. Absolutely not. Jesus knew exactly who he was. Jesus knew exactly why he came. That's why when he was 12 years old, he was in the temple. And what did he say to the Pharisees? He said, well, what did he say to his parents? Don't you know that I'm about my father's business? Jesus knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly where he came. Listen, and not only that, my Bible says, because scriptures start coming, I mean, they start running like what my Bible says that before the very foundations of the world Jesus was crucified oh understand something before the very foundations of the world the God of glory El Shaddai himself the God of the covenant he knew that he was going to come and be born of a virgin take upon flesh and blood and pay the price for his own amen and that's why the Bible says in Acts chapter 20 now go there Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and unto the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his blood. I want you to understand something. We are purchased with his blood. That's why that we are a blood-bought people. We are a blood-bought church. We are washed in His blood. We are protected by His blood. We can say something that not any other religion of the world can say. No other religion of the world can say what you and I can say. No other God that people all around the world worships, not one of their gods that is worshipped, came, left heaven, came to this earth, took upon flesh and blood went to the scourging nailed to a cross went to hell for you and I no other God did that that's why we can say something that no other religion can say not only that we can say something that no other religion can say is this that my God lives on the inside of me because you have to understand something we are the church of God we have been purchased by his blood we have been washed in his blood. We are no longer strangers. We are no longer strangers to God. We no longer need anybody to go to heaven on our behalf. We can boldly come to the throne of God on our own, by ourselves. We don't need assistance. We can come by ourselves. Why? Because we are family and we've been washed in the blood. Amen. And the one thing that the enemy wants the church to not understand is the power of the blood. Because it's by the blood, and it's only by the blood is men saved. It's only by the blood of the Lamb that we're washed and that we're made clean, that we, that we are given a brand new life and a brand new nature. Because no other religion of the world changes the nature of its followers. Only Christianity changes our nature. 
And it so amazes me how how enemy has gotten into the church and robbed so many people. That's why the Bible says that he, listen, the Holy Ghost has made Pastor Jack the overseer of the flock here, this church. That's you, that's washed in his blood. That's why he's going to stand before God just like I'm going, I'm going to stand before God and give an account of what I say to you today. That's why we got to take it seriously. Amen. And we're going to give an account of everything that's said. We're going to give an account of everything that's taught. We're going to give an account of, of, of every, everything that we don't do. Because you keep reading, the Bible, listen, Paul goes on to talk about, about how the enemy sends wicked people in. And that's why you have to deal with people. No, well, we just got to let them in and let them, let them change. No, get out. Because it's his job to protect you. And there's nothing like going to a church to know you're protected. Yes. Amen. Amen. I'm, not, I'm not just talking about physically. I'm, ta- I'm talking about spiritually. Right. Amen. 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 Because he's made the overseer of this flock. Amen. By the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Go with me to Acts 3. I love Paul. Paul Paul's, Paul's, he's, Paul's so amazing. But I want you to notice something. That everything that God did through Paul, and we can't put Paul to a place, on, on, on a pedestal that no man, that, that not one of us can't get to, because we all can arrive to the same place as Paul. You realize that? It, it, it really comes down to how much you surrender. And how much you give your and how much you give yourself to the Word of God? How much you give yourself to the Holy Ghost? I want you to understand something, Jesus. Because I keep feeling in my spirit. Because we're going to pound this thing. Because God, listen, I want every single person here walking in covenant promise. Every one of you walking in covenant promise. I hate, I, listen, I hate it when the, how I've seen the enemy get in and, and, and have inroads into people's lives. Because here's the thing, you can, listen, you can believe a lie, but the lie becomes truth to you. And it also produces results in your life. Listen, not, the truth doesn't just produce results, a lie produces results. But everything you believe is because of a decision you've made to believe it. Everything is, a, everything is a decision. Just like you come here this morning. It was a decision you made. You, well, you did, well, if it's the will of God, I'll be there. But no, no, you, what, all of a sudden, just magically, poof, you got dressed and poof, you disappeared? No, you made a decision to come. You made a decision to be here. But that's every, everything that takes place in our life is a decision we make. That's why the Bible says I've set before you life and death. The Bible says I've set before you blessing and curses. But the Bible also tells us to choose. Do you know it's our choice what we choose? It's our choice if we choose life or death. It's our choice if we choose blessing or curses. And let me ask you a question. Why is it 
That the world who's under a curse can operate in billions, but the church that's washed in His blood, that's redeemed, that stands before God righteous and holy, have to struggle. No, it comes down to a mindset. It comes down to what people have allowed themselves to believe. And what they've allowed themselves to believe has become truth to them, and it's manifested that which they believed in their life. And that's why we, ha- we are in a war right now. We are in a war. We attack that mindset that has so bound up God's people. That mindset that has so robbed God's people. Jesus did not leave heaven. Come to this earth. Take upon flesh and blood. Go to the scourging. To where his body was mutilated. To where he was the lamb led to the slaughter. And the Bible says twice in one verse that he did not open his mouth. Because if he would have opened his mouth, God would have delivered him and there would have been no redemption. Because he's righteous. And because God's just. But there had to be punishment. The Bible says, in the book of Psalms, That Jesus said, my bones, they stare at me. Why? Because he was led to the slaughter. He was mutilated. And 99% of men never would even make it through the scourging. Then go and be nailed to a cross for six hours and hang there for six hours. Go to hell. Be raised from the dead. Sit at the right hand of the Father. Jesus didn't do that for you and I to live in hell, to struggle, to walk in defeat on our way to heaven. Jesus came for one purpose. Jesus came to redeem us. Jesus came to give us His life. Jesus came to purchase you and I. We are purchased. The Bible says that we're purchased by His blood. We are purchased. And God has intended for you and I in this life to rule and to reign. God has intended for you and I in this life to rule and to reign and advance His kingdom in this life. But not with just mere words. God's intended us to do it because of our relationship with Him and by the power of the Holy Ghost. We're not to do it in our own strength. We're not to do it in our own might. We're not to do it in our own power. But we do it by the Holy Ghost. And we got, we got, we got to attack. We've got to attack this mindset that has so bound up God's people. And the Bible says here, in the book of Acts, the third chapter, I want to show you the church. Verse 1, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple, the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Verse 3, Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none. Now, that's not because they didn't have no money. I've heard people use this verse. Well, that just goes to prove. No, 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 that's not. That's so carnal. 
And I'll maybe tell you what that meant. But he says, But silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered into the temple, and he entered with him into the temple, <clears throat> walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate <clears throat> of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened to him. Now look at verse 16. And his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong whom you see and know. The faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Now jump over to the fourth chapter. Now as a result of this miracle, persecution came to the church. But I want to point out two things here that you have to see. So they were arrested. And they were told not to preach anymore in this name. Isn't it amazing? They, wasn't, they were not told they couldn't preach. They were just told they couldn't preach anymore about the name. But guess what they did? Verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priest and, and elders had said unto them. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. And said, Lord, thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that... In them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were against were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. Listen, verse 28. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, listen to him. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. I want you to notice they didn't retreat. They didn't retreat. That's why I don't like retreats. Well, we're going to have a retreat. No, Christians don't retreat. Listen to what they said. Behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants with all boldness. They may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, everybody say pray. pray. And when they had prayed, and when they had prayed, it's important, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Now, I read, I read chapters 3 and 4 for a purpose. First off, I want you to understand People say, well, what's it like being in the church? Right here. Peter and John's the church. If you want to know how the church operates and how we live and how we function, Acts 3 and 4. Because I want you to notice one thing about Peter and John. They were not, first off, powerless. <clears throat> There's nothing worse than powerless Christianity. God never intended for the church to be powerless. Actually, the reality is, is that when it's the reputation of the church should be that when, when people, and I'm even talking amongst the world. I'm not talking about just the church, even amongst the world. When sickness comes, instead of running to the hospital, instead of running to the doctor, they run to the church. But I want you to notice that here's Peter and John, minding their own business. They were going to pray. Everybody say pray. They were going to pray. And as they were going to pray, all of a sudden, a suddenly came. 
listen, I'm sure that morning they woke up. When they woke up, they'd never intended for this to happen because they'd seen this man here laid on a regular basis. Jesus even walked through this gate and I'm sure saw this man laid at the gate because the Bible says he's laid there daily and the Bible says he's 40 years old. And we're only, we're only talking about a year later after the Lord Jesus had been resurrected. We're only talking about a year later. So Jesus had walked through this gate Himself. Peter and John, the disciples, had walked through this gate. And I'm sure they knew the man. I'm sure they expected to see the man because He's laid there daily. But they were going for one reason. They were going to pray. I want you to listen to this. Look at the heart of the church. And the reason why I want to talk about prayer this morning is because prayer is not just something that you do when, when you, you sit down to eat your food. Prayer is something that we must give ourselves to. And I said to the Lord, I said, why is it that the church and many of the church is so powerless? And the Lord said to me, the church is powerless because the church does not pray. And I'm not, talking, I'm not talking about, you know, praying over your food. I'm not talking about praying at the opening and the closing of a service. I'm not talking about praying when your friend calls you on the phone and says, you know, I got this going on in my body, I'm going to go to the doctor and want you to pray. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about giving yourself to pray. Because there is, understand something, nothing just happens. Nothing just happens. There is a reason for everything. Nothing, when it comes to God, when it comes to miracles, when it comes to signs and wonders, when it comes to the exploits of His power, when it comes to advancing His kingdom, nothing just happens. And we have to get rid of that mindset. Well, if the Lord wants it, it's just going to happen. Absolutely not. Everything that happens in your life is a result of you pressing into God for And they were pressing in. They were going to pray. And one of the things that you'll see as you look through the Word of God, uh, look through the book of Acts, and you'll see the, the two main themes, really three main themes. You'll see prayer, you'll see the Holy Ghost, you'll see signs, wonders, and miracles. Prayer, the Holy Ghost, signs, wonders, and miracles. You study the Word of God, I mean the Bible starts with the Holy Ghost. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. The Bible starts with the Holy Ghost and the Bible ends with the Holy Ghost. Revelation twenty two seventeen. 17. I'll say it again. The Bible begins with the Holy Ghost and the Bible ends with the Holy Ghost. And you can see the Spirit of God. You can see the Holy Ghost in every single book of the Bible. You'll see that every leader, that every prophet, that, every, that, 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 the, that the men and women of God, I want you to notice that the one thing that they waited on was the Holy Ghost. What did Elisha say? When, when, when the three kings, when the, when the king of Moab was coming against them, and they thought they were going to die because they ran out of water. They, they couldn't feed the, the horses, and, and they couldn't feed and their men and the horses, and they couldn't drink, and they ran out of water. Notice, they, say, they said, is there a man of God? Is there a prophet in the area? And Elisha happened to be there. Elisha said, if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, I would even give you a word. But I want you to notice what the Bible says that, that Elisha did. Elisha called for a minstrel. Why? Because he waited before he gave any instruction. He waited for the Holy Ghost. He waited for the hand of the Lord to come. Listen, it's right there before us. 
No, no. It's right there before us. It's right here. It's in the book. What you understand? This isn't a book about somebody. This book is somebody. It's right here. But if it's the pages have never opened and we never get into it and if we never act upon it, we're never going to see the display that God said we'll see. And it's more than just coming into church on Sunday morning and listen to your pastor. And unfortunately, many people in the church, and I'd say in this church as well, because it's in every church, even the church I go to, many people want to live their life through the pastor's relationship. you got to have your own relationship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And you see that they waited for the Holy Ghost. Why did Zacharias say it's not by might, nor by power, but by spirit, says the Lord. Why don't you see any miracle being recorded in the life of Jesus until the Spirit of God came upon his life? And by the way, Jesus, every city, every town that Jesus went into, the first thing that Jesus would do, he would draw attention to the Holy Ghost. He would draw attention to the anointing. He didn't even draw attention to himself. He drew attention to the Holy Ghost. Remember Luke chapter 4? He's in the synagogue. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He drew attention to the Holy Ghost. I remember my mentor, Dr. Kennedy Hagen, who's your pastor's mentor as well. The Lord Jesus, one of the times that the Lord Jesus appeared to him, the Lord Jesus said to him, he said, every city, every town I went into, the first thing I would do is tell people I was anointed. Drew attention to the Holy Spirit. God did not intend for you to live your life on your own. He never intended for you to live your life in your power, in your strength, in your might. God is our strength. God is our source. He is our life. God never intended for us to do it on our own. The Spirit of God is our source. And as you look through the Word of God, that's who you see. It's right there. It's right there. It's all through the Word of God. He's all through the Word of God. That's why I, 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 so I love going, just here recently, I'm listening to Catherine Kuhlman. I go on and I listen to, I listen to mighty men and women of God who, who, who have shaken nations because there's a reason. Why they've done what they've done because there's a reason. Nothing just happens. Listen to me. Nothing just happens. Your breakthrough doesn't just happen. Your miracle doesn't just happen. You being used of God doesn't just happen. Now there are times you can see things that have taken place in the Word of God, but that's just, just the mercy of God. And sometimes the mercy of God's involved. But you can't depend on that. You've, you've got to press into the things of God. I mean... With um, Epaphroditus in Philippians, the Bible says that Epaphroditus, who was traveled with Paul, the Bible says that he was sick unto death, but God had mercy. Mm-hmm. So there's sometimes there's that time that God just has mercy. And that's just for him to understand. We don't understand everything. But this one thing I do know, this one thing is this, is that nothing just happens. You have to do something. It's not just about tending church. You've got to do something. You've got to give yourself to the principles that God set forth in His Word. And it's all through the Word. It's all, it's right there. 
It's just like in the natural, what's going on with government. It's, listen, there's tons of information that's out there. Listen, it's out there. You just got to get into it and begin to study. But when it comes to the thing, it's right here. You just got to get into it. But most people won't give themselves to it. That's why many people in the body of Christ, they read through all the scriptures that he'll do exceedingly abundantly above all that, he, that you ever ask or think. And be That's not happening in my life. And they read through the scriptures and see all the supernatural things that God will do. The supernatural, just in Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, the first 15 verses, you should, listen, you should read those verses every single day about what God said He's going to do, about how He commanded His blessing upon us, about how He opened up His treasure unto us, that everywhere we go, we're blessed. Coming in, coming out, we're blessed. It's right there. But unless you dive into it, unless you give yourself to it, it's not, gonna, it's not going to be manifested in your life. And the Bible said they were going to do something. Peter and John was going to do something. They were going to pray. And as they were going to pray, all of a sudden, a suddenly took place, and the gift of the Holy Ghost, the gift of the Spirit, the gift of faith, the working of miracles was manifested and dropped in their life. And then Peter and John saw this man who they'd seen there many, many times. And they, but they gave attention to him this time. And that's why the Bible says that, that the men expected to receive something. Why? Because they gave him attention. And they said, silver and gold have I not. Not because they didn't have any money. But they said that because they had something greater just dropped in them than money. It was called the gift of faith. It was called the working of miracles. And Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none. Why? Because that, if I could give you silver and gold right now, you'd be back here tomorrow begging for more. But I got something that's been dropped in me from the Father Himself that's greater than silver and gold. Matter of fact, that which I have in the name of Jesus I give to you. Rise up and walk. And they reached down and they grabbed him and the moment they pulled him up, the power of God was manifested in his life and the Bible says that he went walking with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Then persecution came, but the Bible says that when the persecution came, when they got locked up, I want you to know that the Bible says that they went unto their own. What do you mean they, they went to their church? Well, I don't have to, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Are you, you, do, you, do you want to base eternity on, on that statement? Do you really want to base eternity on that statement? Because I can prove to you in the Bible where, where you'll stand before God and give an account of your church service. I've never seen that scripture. Well, read the Bible. Because it's there. Well, where is it, Brother Richard? It's there. I'll give it to you. The Bible says don't forsake the gather together yourselves. And guess what? When God tells, when God tells us to, when He has instructed us to do something, when we stand before Him, we will stand before Him and give an account of what we did with that which He instructed us to do. He said to us, go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're going to stand before God and give an account. 
of what we did with Matthew, Mark chapter 16. Well, I just can't go. No, 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 no. But you, actually, you can. You can go. You might not physically be able to go, but your funds going to go. Your money can go. And you can be a part of that. That's why my wife and I, we support other ministries and other organizations that, that apart from our ministry. Why? Because I want, I, want to, I want to have seed in the ground all over the place. Right. Amen. Amen. And we are going, that's why we must be eternity minded because every single one of us are going to stand before God and give an account. You're going to give an account of your life. And when I stand before him, my wife won't be there with me. My parents won't be there with me. My pastor won't be there with me. My good friends won't be there with me. It's going to be me by myself standing before the Father going to give an account of my life. And I'm going to give an account of everything he said. Don't forsake the gathering together of yourselves. The book of Hebrews. You're going to stand before God and give an account. It's awful quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> You'll be Pentecostal by tonight, I promise. No, listen, it's, it's not that you get into works. And to be honest with you, I can understand why some people don't want to go to church. If it's dead and there's no life there, I can understand it. I used to tell people when I'd go be on the road or somewhere, I used to tell people, be in the airport, well, if I just find a church and, and, and go to church after I leave them with the Lord. Just find it. I don't even tell them that no more. Because I, I, I don't want them to go find a, some dead church. So what I'll try to do is get on the internet myself and find out where city they're in and do my best to try to find them a good church. Because I don't want them just to go into any church. I don't want them to, I don't want them to, go, here, to, to go to some church. Well, you know, it, it's, God's, it's God's purpose and, you know, things happen in life and we just don't understand everything that happens, you know, but we just got to accept it, you know, but we'll all know on that day in the sweet by and by we're going to rubbish. They were going to pray. And there was a demonstration of the Holy Ghost. They get thrown in jail. They come out of jail. And the Bible says they go to their own. They had a place to go. You have to have a place to go. Hello? You have to have a place to go. A place called home. Not Google. You have to have a church family. Because we are family. You might not like me, but we're family. We are family. That's why I so love in, in, in the book of John when, the, when Jesus was resurrected. And there, there, he, there Mary stands before him. He says, don't touch me. And he says to her, I love, I, 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 I love what Jesus said. Jesus says to her, go tell my brethren. You know, he, ne- he never mentioned brethren before, but notice after his resurrection, now he's, mentioned, now he's talking in family terms. He's talking in family terms. He says, go tell my brethren that I'm going to my father and what? 
and your Father. And to my God and to your God. What's he saying? Jesus was saying, hey, we are family now. My God is your God. My Father is your Father. And they had a place to go. And guess what? The Bible says that they did something. They prayed again. They prayed again. I mean, are they always praying? Yes. Yes. The Bible says they prayed again. And they prayed that, that boldness would come first off. They didn't retreat. They prayed that boldness would come. They prayed that God would stretch forth His hands and signs and wonders and miracles. And guess what? The Bible says that the Holy Ghost came. They were filled with the Holy Ghost again. The place was shaken. That is the church. This is the church. No, I'm talking about the church of the living God. I'm talking about you and I. We are the church. And there's, there's, there's different markings of the church that every single one of us must have. Number one, the number one mark on every single one of us must be and should be before the world our passion for Jesus. Our passion for Jesus. Because guess what? When you are passionate about something, you talk about it all the time. Just like when you fell in love with your spouse. You talked, listen, before you married your spouse, you talked about him or her all the time, didn't you? Why? Because you were in love. You talked about them all the time. You stay on the phone for hours and talk about the same thing you talked about the night before. And the night before that. And the night before that. For hours. Hello. A lot of people are shaking their head at me. Nothing got in, in, in front of your spouse. I mean, she'd even come in. You'd be sitting watching the ball game. She'd come sit beside you, want to talk. You take the remote and turn off the ball game. Why? Because she is passion. She's your first love. She's number one. Unfortunately, the years go by. She comes in, sits down beside you. You take the remote, turn the volume up. <laughs> or she don't even come in anymore. <laughs> Why? Because first love is gone. Hello? But our mark as, a, as believers, our mark should be number one, our passion for the Lord. That everywhere, everywhere we go, we talk about it. Hello, everywhere we go, we talk about. I had a pastor. I was just here a couple of months, November. I was in a church, and and uh, when my wife and I were in a small town called Albemarle, Albemarle. I can never pronounce it. Albemarle, North Carolina, and and we're in this small town, and and the 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 uh, what do you call it? The, the maid, the maid come, and she come to our room, and after a couple of days, she kept coming to the room, and I noticed she was just just complains about everything so I actually begin to, begin to talk to her and next thing I know man she's weeping and crying because she, she just made Jesus the Lord of her life the Holy Ghost comes on her she gets touched by the power of God and so then I, I stood her beside me in my room and 
FaceTime the pastor. And because then I'm, you know what? And then, then telling them, hey, there's a new member of your church, so forth, so on. But my point is this, is that we're always getting people saved. Always. I come, I'm in South Carolina. I, I, I come home. I, I think I went out to have lunch with the pastor. My wife stayed back. I come up in the elevator. I get on the floor, and I hear this noise coming down from the end of the, end of the hall. I'm like, something's going on. Something's, and I thought to myself, somebody having a party down there. And it's in the afternoon. But the closer I got to it, I realized, hey, that's coming from my room. And I open up the door, and here's my wife. She is my wife in the hotel room with three maids. <laughs> and they're all praying in the Holy Ghost with tears coming down their face. They got the American flag on their cheek. And, then, <laughs> you know, because they had to make up on they started crying. They got to start running. Anyway, <laughs> that's just coming from a man's perspective. <laughs> But yet, what my point is this, is that, no, when you're passionate about the Lord, you talk about Him all the time. When you're passionate about something, people uh, that you get around are going to know what you're passionate about. Because you talk about it. Hello? We, We are marked by our passion for the Lord. And we take a stand. No, we take a stand. Listen, let your voice be known. Let your voice be heard. Listen, the only way wickedness can prevail is for righteous people to do nothing. The only way wickedness can prevail is for righteous people to keep their mouths shut and do nothing. We should be marked by our prayer. God wants us to pray, as I said earlier in the service. Five over 500 times, God talks up to us about prayer. You know the Bible says, you have not because you ask not? I, I did something. Actually, I did it this morning because I, 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 wake, I, I woke up this morning. And, and I, I had this word go in my spirit when I woke up this morning. Here's what I heard the Lord say. I heard the Lord say concerning this church here. I heard the Lord say this, tell them to ask me. And you, you, you begin to do a word search on, on just asking, you'll be shocked how many times God tells us to ask. Because you know, prayer is something that we're marked by. We're marked by our passion for Jesus. We're marked by the fact that we give ourselves to prayer. We give ourselves to prayer. That's why the Bible says in Jeremiah, the 33rd chapter, verse 3, Call unto me. Call unto me. Listen to what the Lord tells us to do. This is something, this is instruction by the Lord. The Lord is instructing us to do something. He says, Call unto me, and I will answer you. And I'll show you great and mighty things that you know not. Call unto me, and I will answer you. And Great and mighty things I'll show you. Great and mighty things that you don't even know. Great and mighty things will begin to happen. Great and mighty things will be displayed. Great and mighty things will be displayed and manifested in your life. But notice, great and mighty things will not be displayed and not be manifested in your life if you don't call on Him. That sure does away with the old religion. Well, if it's the Lord's will, it'll happen. It just did it just boom, it'll disappear. Whatever the Lord's will is, you know, whatever his will is be, it'll be. No, 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 no. That's not what he says. He said, Call on me, and I'll answer you. 
Call on me and I'll answer you. See, you know, when you begin to talk about like this, you know, people, I, I can see that people really don't understand prayer. Because it's like, you know, I got a call here not long ago and, and from a, from a, a pastor, of mine, a friend of mine in California. Hey, I've been praying for you. Man, you know what that did to me? That exploded on the inside of me. That's because I understand the importance and I understand the power of prayer. Because understand something, it's, you know, we, we talked to you in, 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 in Matthew just a moment ago about Jesus. He talked about, I'm going to build my church. And he says, yeah, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind will be bound. He said, I'm going to give you, this is one of the keys to the kingdom. This is one of the laws that, the, that Christianity is governed by. This is one of the laws that in the family of God that we're a part of is governed by. And it's the law of prayer. And he said, call on me and I'll answer you. Just think about that. Under, understand who's saying it. And that's part of the problem in the church is that the church really doesn't understand who their father is. They really don't understand that he is El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough. That he is the creator of heaven and earth. That he created this world out of nothing. That he has no beginning. That he has no end. But yet he's also the one saying to you and I as family, talk to me, call upon me, talk to me, call upon me. Come on, talk to me, call upon me because I want to answer you. I want to answer you. I said to the Lord, and I, I, this scripture, I wasn't even thinking about this scripture. I said to the Lord, because I, I see that, uh, uh, you know, and I think it's partly because I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I actually, obviously as a man thinking so is he. I mean, I'm, I'm getting older. I mean, I'm 50 something, <laughs> four, I'm 54. I don't feel 54. I feel 24. But it just dawned on me here not some, some time ago. It dawned on me that I'm on the backside of life. That I'm 54. 30 years from now, I'll be 84 if the Lord hasn't come back yet. I'm on the backside of life. And I got to think to myself, it's no longer about me at this stage of my life gaining material things. In this stage of my life, it's all about His kingdom. Because I realize that, how, how old are you? I realize that she's got longer life than me. If it's another hundred years before Jesus comes back. That I will see the Father before she does. Because I'm 14 years older. You see, you're 30? I'm 24, sorry. I went to school in Kentucky. <laughs> My, my, this is my family had moonshine steals. Anyway, so <laughs> they, they did. I, you know, it's just, anyway, my family they had moonshine steals and drove race cars. And um, <clears throat> but it dawned on me that I'm on the backside of life, and it, it hit me. That's why everything we do now, my total effort in everything. It's about God's kingdom advancing. Because in the end, when we all stand before Him, you know, younger people don't think about this. 
just when you start getting older, how you start thinking more in these lines. But younger people should think like this. Because here's the reality. Our, our life in heaven is not going to be equal. I'll say it again. We're not going to be equal in heaven. Some of us are going to rule and reign over areas and nations. But here's the fact. It's your life in this life that determines your next life. So when we all get to heaven, we're, gonna, we're all going to know how you lived your life on this li- in this life. Because your life in this life will determine how your next life is. But most people are not concerned about the next life. It's all about this life, and it's backwards. As we say in Kentucky, it's butt backwards. It's your, 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 your focus should not be about this life. Your focus should be about the next life. Because that's the life that counts. That's the life where we get rewards. That's the life where it's determined. Understand, in this life determines what our next life is like in heaven. We're not going to be equal. Thank God people make it. But I don't want to just make it. And I said to the Lord, I wasn't even thinking about Jeremiah 33, 3. I said to the Lord, because I'm all now about advancing, well, I've been for some time, but I'm I'm about advancing His kingdom. But not with just mere words, but with power, but in demonstration, and living the life that God's intended for us to live. Stop being so caught up in this realm. It's about the realm of the Spirit. It's It's not about this natural world. It's about the realm of God. And it's the realm of God that every single one of us should live in. And we've left it to the preacher to do it. We've left it to the evangelist or the prophet to do it. But every single one of us should be walking in the realm of the Holy Ghost. Every single one of us should be walking in the realm of miracles. Every single one of us should be walking in the realm of supernatural, more than enough blessings being poured out upon us. Where God opens His treasure upon us. Where God commands His blessing upon us. Amen. And you can do more in the next five years than you've done up to now for the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Amen. We've got to be eternity minded. And I said to the Lord, how come we don't see to display? Because when I read through the word of God, especially the book of Acts, when I see through the word of God, all I see is the Holy Ghost, is prayer, is signs and wonders and miracles and a great display of God's glory. And I said to the Lord, I don't even think I was expecting an answer. I was just having a conversation with the Lord. But I said to the Lord, how come we're not seeing displays of your glory amongst believers? How come we're not seeing displays of your power? You know what the Lord said to me? He said, they don't call on me. Because it doesn't just happen. And then all of a sudden, the Lord, this scripture, Isaiah... Jeremiah 33, 3 came to me. And I began to open it. And I began to read it. Call on me and I'll answer you. And that's what the Lord said. He said, they don't call on me. Think about it. They don't call on me. God cannot answer if you do not call. 
God cannot display if you do not call. Notice in Acts 3, guess what they were going to do? They were on their way to call on Him. They were on their way to call on Him. That's why it, 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 we, we started at our church, we started doing all-night prayer meetings. We just had one here just January. All-night prayer meetings, pray from 6, to, six at night to 6 in the morning. And, and I'm actually trying to work my schedule to where I'm home every Friday of the first Friday of each month. Because every month is going to be all-night prayer meeting. And we've already been to a number of them. And another thing I've started to do is it, it, churches I go to, I, I've taken, I take the pastors into the church. And I tell like the pastor that I'm going to next week, I said to him, I said, look, and from, excuse me, from 9 to 12, we're going to be at the church. Really? I said, yeah. I said, we're going to be praying. And so every church I've been, I've been going to now, we, I go for three hours into the church with the pastor. And we call on heaven. And we bombard heaven for three hours. Why? Because understand something. It's how the kingdom of God operates. And he said, if you call on me, I just happen to believe this. I believe it. If you call on me, I'll answer you. And I'll show you great and mighty things. Even in, in, my own, in my own life. And I'm, listen, I'm not saying this to impress you. I'm here to press upon you. I mean, even in my own life. I mean, I, I'll spend my wife will tell you. I just, at, at our place, I, I, I just begin to pray. I, I bombard heaven. I pray. And I'm not talking about 20 minutes. I pray for hours, nonstop. Just calling on him. And, I tell, and I, here's what I say to the Lord when I go to pray. I, I, I begin to tell him who he is. I begin to remind him who he is. That he is the God of Abraham. That he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because you understand, when you call upon him and you begin to tell him who he is, that's what you're invoking. That you are El Shaddai. I'm invoking El Shaddai to come. The God that's more than enough to come. And I tell him. That's how I start off my prayer. I begin to tell him who he is. And I begin to quote scriptures to him. Lord, you said to me that if I draw now unto you, you draw now to me. And I thank you that you draw now unto me as I draw now unto you. Lord, you said if I'd seek you, I'd find you. When I search for you, me, when I search for you with all my heart, Lord, I seek, I seek you now. Lord, I seek you now. And you said you'd allow me to find you. You said you'd allow me to find you. I seek you now. Lord, you said that if I'd call on you, you would answer me. And you'd show me great and mighty things that I know not. Lord, I call upon you now. And just begin to... That's what I'm talking about. We give ourselves to prayer. We give ourselves to it. I'm just too busy. No, 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 you're not. You're actually not. You're not too busy. You're actually not too busy. Because I promise you that if you begin to examine your life, you probably spend a number of hours in front of the TV. So you're not really too busy. Call upon me and I'll answer you. But I heard, I heard these words this morning. And I'm going to read a few scriptures to you. I heard these words about this church. The Lord said, tell them to ask me. 
And so I just quickly, there's a whole bunch, listen, there's a whole bunch of scriptures. Don't let me do all your homework for you, but just go through the Word of God and just get all the scriptures on the subject of ask. Just write these down. The Bible, the Bible, the Bible says here, the Bible says in, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Oh my gosh. Do you understand what the Lord just said? I mean, you have to understand who's saying it. You have to understand the one who's saying it. He said, ask and it shall be given. He said, Seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. Oh, mama. Just think of the time we can just spend right there. For everyone that asketh receiveth. Who is speaking here? Is this not the words of El Shaddai? Is not this the words of the God Father, our God, the God of the covenant? Is not this the words of God our Father? For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. <laughs> I can I feel it. There's so many scriptures here. Luke, Luke, chapter, Luke chapter 11, verse 9. So I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. John 14, 13. And I will do whatever you ask. And I will do whatever you ask. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I will do whatever you ask. Man, as I begin, as I heard that word this morning, tell this talk, I'm, I'm talking about here. For you. This is, I'm, I'm talking about Life Family Church. When I woke up this morning, I actually said to the Holy Ghost, I said, Holy Ghost, wake me up at 7 o'clock. I woke up at 7 o'clock. I laid in bed a little longer, but I woke up at 7 o'clock. But I mean, I didn't go back to sleep. I woke up and 7 o'clock and to my wife and the dog. My daughter's dog became our dog. I don't know how that happened. She got married. And we got the dog now. But I heard that. This morning, when I woke up, I said, Holy Ghost, wake me up at 7. And when I woke up, I turned over and there's my, look at my phone, it's 7 o'clock. And I heard these words for Life Family Church. Tell them to ask me. My question is, how many of you is going to take hold of this and just do it? Tell them to ask me. Then that's when I, then here a little bit later, I got up and I began just to search the scriptures. Oh, there's so many scriptures. Actually, there's so many scriptures. I'm going to do a study on this asking. Because you'd be amazed. I mean, I'm not talking about a few times. I'm t- you'll be amazed. You'll be shocked as you go through the Word of God and find all the times that God tells us to ask. And He says here, First John 14, 13, And I will do what, whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. John 15, 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, or ask whatever you will, and it will be done for you. John 15, 16. 
You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit that will remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. John 16, 23. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Truly, truly, I, I tell you, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. 1 John three twenty two, And we will receive from him whatever we ask. Because we keep his commandments and do whatever or, or do what is pleasing in his sight. I love John, 1 John 14. Or first, sorry, First John 5, 13 and 14. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, then we know that we have, that we possess the petitions that we ask of Him, that we desire of Him. I mean, that's just, I just gave you a few scriptures. I, I just given you a few. But I heard these words. Tell the church to ask me. Tell the church to ask. Now, the next question is, is your asking going to be little or is it going to be big? Are you going to ask in proportion what you can do in your own power, might, and strength? Or are you going to ask in proportion to what only God can do? Because He said... He'll do super abundantly, far exceedingly. Blows our mind beyond our expectation. He'll do. Why? Because He's Father. Because we're family. Understand we're family. That's what family is. This is not a religion. This is family. And we have to see ourselves that we as Christians operate in the family of God. Call on me. I mean, the Bible says in James 5, especially in the classic Amplified, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much and makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. And then the, then, then, then the Bible goes on to talk about how Elijah prayed and it stopped raining. Do you understand how the kingdom of God... How it operates. This is how we operate. This is how we function as the church. He prayed, and it, he prayed that it would not rain and it stopped raining. Then guess what? It rained again because he prayed that it would rain. But notice it stopped raining because he prayed. But notice that it started to rain because he prayed. And I pray that every single one of you. Grab this this morning. I pray that every single one of you get this this morning. That you don't just sit here and nod your head at me. That you don't just sit here and go amen. But you leave here and you apply it and you begin to do it. Because it won't work because you say amen. It won't work because you shake your head. It only works when you apply it. And I look at these ministers that have no power. And it tells me they don't pray. Because the Bible says, the affectionate, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much and makes tremendous power available. If power is not available, it tells me, listen to the word of God would tell off on you. 
that tells me what they do and don't do. Dynamic in its working. And listen, I've gone, I've gone through, listen, I, I study after the men and women of God that have done mighty, mighty things. Because there's a reason why they do it. There's a reason why people raise the dead. There's a reason, listen to me, there's a reason why people shake nations. There's a reason why individuals change, literally change the course of generations. And we have a generation today that the course needs to be changed. But I look through history, and I look at I look at generations, and listen, they were worse than ours. It's hard to believe, but they were. But God, but certain individuals begin to pray and begin to do things, and then God came, and God sent a mighty revival. God sent a great awakening, and changed the course of generations. And here lately, I, I was listening, like I mentioned just a minute ago, you just go on, just listen to, you just go on YouTube and just listen to Catherine Coleman. And I'm listening to her, I've watched her for years anyway. I'm listening, I can, I can, I can mimic her, I can act just like her. And what she's saying is how she's so given herself to prayer and to the Holy Ghost. That she recognizes that it's the Holy Spirit Himself that's present that touches the hearts of people, that touches the bodies of people, that her and her own self can do nothing. And I can talk to you about other individuals. But their total dependence is upon the Holy Ghost. But yet, they pray. They pray. They pray. John Wesley said, God can do nothing for man unless man asks him. That's just part of what the covenant is. We are in covenant with the Father. And I know I'm staying a long time on this, but this is what I felt this morning. This is what I heard the Holy Ghost say this morning. And I want you so, listen, I so, listen, if I could line you up and lay hands upon you and have the revelation come and have it change, I'd do it. But that's not how it works. Now we can pray for you and you get touched and get blessed and get healed, but I'm talking about for your life, for your life, to make a difference in this life, for your life to change in the area of the finances, for your life to change in the area of His power, for your life to change in the area of the demonstration of His glory. It's up to you. you got to do something. I can't do it for you. i got to be responsible for me. The only thing I'm responsible for this morning is obeying the Holy Ghost and telling and saying what I've been told to say. But you're the ones responsible for what you take and how you hear and how, how you take it and what you do with it. And unfortunately, there will be people that will leave and they'll go do their, their, their same routine that they do every day, every week. And wonder why their life is the way it is. If you want things to change, you got to do something. Listen, your pastors aren't here. God hasn't been using them the way He uses them just because God just decided, oh, I think I'm going to use Pastor Jack. No, that didn't happen that way. Nothing happens that way. you got to give yourself over. That's why He said, call on me and I answer you. Guess what? He ain't going to answer if you don't call. Because God wouldn't, you know what? Now He's not just. Because He's a just God. 
And if God would, if God would display His glory and power with you not asking, then He would be unjust. Think on that one for a little bit. He's a just God. That's why He had to judge sin. Because now we live in, I'm going to close, but now we live in such a society where everybody wants to just have safe spaces and let's just hug it out. Oh, I know you, I know you stole and I know you did wrong, but let's just, listen, we'll overlook it. Let's just hug it out. But that's not how God is. Because, there, there, listen, there, there's, 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 the wages of sin is death. It's a law. That's why God had to judge sin. Because Satan's going to be judged. And if God didn't judge Adam and Eve, if God didn't judge sin, then guess what? Satan could accuse God of being unjust when God goes to judge Satan. But he's a just God. That's why, listen, that's why the Bible, the Bible says there's only one name given among men where men must be saved. If people can be saved another way, then God would be unjust. He's a just God. And for God to send glory and God to send power and display His presence in your life without you asking Him, He would be unjust. Because He said, ask, call on me and I'll answer. Call on me and I'll answer. But not only will I answer, He said, He took, you know God always takes it a whole many steps further. He just took it so much further. He said, not only am I going to, not only am I going to answer, I'm going to show you great. And I'm going to show you mighty things that you know not. And you better know when God begins to show you great, and when God begins to display great and mighty things upon your life, you better know that it will blow you away. Not only will it blow you away, people are going to get mad, people are going to get jealous, and people are going to stop talking. But let them talk. And don't you apologize for it either. Don't you apologize for the blessing of God. Don't. Come on, don't you apologize for it. Hallelujah. You know what I just want to tell you? I just feel, and this is, this is, this is, this is not for everybody. This is proof that they're pressing in for the things of the, of the Lord. You just, you just wait because I feel like the Lord said, uh, just, I just know some things He's been saying to me that's coming. I'm not talking about material stuff. I'm just talking about in the realm of the Holy Ghost. But you just get ready because this is what's going to begin to happen. Is that you'll be on a platform. You'll be sitting on the platform. You'll be sitting in your chair. Next thing you know, you'll see the whole service. You'll, 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 you'll be somewhere and you'll see, you'll, you'll, you'll see the pastor call you up, but yet you're still sitting. Because Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father do. And so what I'm saying is we're getting ready to step into a, to a realm of where we operate and live by. We do what I see our Father do. So will you be sitting on the platform and you see the pastor call you up. You see yourself go up and grab the mic and you turn to a lady in the wheelchair and say, when I say in the name of Jesus, you're going to rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And then you see the whole thing, the whole thing happen. Boom, but yet you're back in your seat. Why? Because you just saw. You just saw it. I do what I see my father do. You just saw it. Ha, I, 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 oh, there's going to be such an increase in that, in that realm. Because you know what? We're getting ready to step over into the realm of the supernatural. And there have been others 
in times past that they have stepped over into that realm. But they've stepped over and they've lived there temporarily. But this is the hour and this is the day where the church, those that are pressing into the things of God, those that are only want His purpose and only want Him and only want the things that come from heaven, that worship Him and seek Him with all of our hearts, that cry unto Him day and night, that we step over into that realm. And in that realm, we don't operate temporarily, but we live in that realm. We live in that realm. To where as we walk down the street and our shadow overcomes a blind man, he brings a shout because he's healed. No, no, no. Understand the hour we're living in. Understand the time they will live in. So I just hear the Holy Ghost saying to you, begin to expect more supernatural displays of his glory. Amen? Hallelujah. Do you know, ask me. I mean, right even, right even down to if you're single and you desire a spouse. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. Lord, we thank you for your touch. Lord, we're so thankful for you. We're so thankful for your goodness. Lord, all of our days, you've only been good to us all of our days. Lord, I thank you for every individual here. Lord, I thank you that every individual in this church, Lord, that they fulfill the purpose that you have for them in their life. That everyone here, Father, in the name that's above every name, become kingdom-minded. Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week and remember, the best is yet to come.